3, 2, 1. I just want to jump straight into this. So we're going to talk about two different subjects total. Um, one where we're talking through the, cause I, both of us have heard you do a lot of talking about principles. Um, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of one-on-one talk. That was the, that was the first thing that you ever shared with me. Mm. Like when you and I were, were starting to hang at all you started talking to me about, about principles and, and, principles in a business sense, principles in a personal sense and principles in a, in a biblical sense and how those things intertwine. They're inseparable. Yeah. Wrote a little book about it. Yeah. (laughs) Talk about that. What was the, what was the, what was the, I know obviously, but what was the book and the book, uh, which became a bestseller in five hours, uh, is a, uh, a book called my third house and you can get it on Amazon for cheap now, like a couple bucks. But, uh, the whole idea was, is that all of us, you know, and it was built to a Christian audience. That's who it was kind of written to. It was yeah. built for them. But I think it's for anybody, which is this idea that uh, there are three primary parts of our life. The, the first one is like a house, which is where we live and move and have our being, right? Like mm-hmm. just where we raise our kids, yeah. we have a house. We all kind of get that one. That's obvious. The second one is where you work, right? yeah. you know, and that's like a house as well. Yeah. It ends up with a family. It ends up with a structure very similar. In fact, in certain worlds, like the fashion world, they call it a fashion house. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And then the third one is their place of faith, right? And we call those houses, worship, yeah. houses of worship, temples, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them. And the idea is that most people, the principles that they live by in those three segments of their life or lack of having that segment in their life, uh, they usually combat, fight, push against each other, and, and they can hurt each other. Um, because you can become kind of double-minded, right? What are some examples of having different principles in one than another? Yeah, I think, for example, uh, when you talk about, um, let me get one that's kind of a little off the wall. Yeah. Um, So uh, what can happen in business is if we get too hardcore where we have a leader who doesn't treat the people working for him and her more like family, in other words, we care about their lives, we care about their family, we care about what they're, what they're going through, those companies struggle with morale. Hmm. Why? Because you just have a person at the top that isn't running his business or her business by the same set of principles they wouldn't even in their own home. Yeah. And so even in the Bible, we get ideas like that, right? Like, mm-hmm. like Jesus said to, to a group of people, he's talking, kind of preaching, I guess you yeah. could say it this way, and said, hey, you know, uh, don't worry about certain things. Like, you know, the birds get fed, the flowers are taken care of. How much more does your heavenly father yeah. care about these things concerning you? Well, that's odd because he, this is an invisible being, wow. but the Bible quickly brings it into family. Yeah. That's why? Because it's a principle. So we immediately can get that and we go, oh, okay, God is not just an it, right? But there's some principles at work. Good. Yeah. Well, the same thing is true like with me. Like if I am, uh, like sometimes in our modern day culture with older guys, I'm only older because I'm older than you, but I'm way younger than a lot of other people, right? But so whatever category you fit in, so sometimes I'll get around guys my age and they'll talk about how millennials aren't as respectful as they should be. And I always say, well, what have you given them to be respected or respectful about? Because they can't just, they don't just owe the whole world, you know, of people older than them a certain level of respect. So what have you given them? Because you have to give them something, yeah, 
right? And so if you, if you again, it's a principle, right? You, you can never be, just be respected because. Good. Right? Like, well, why do you respect that person? Because. <laughs> right? That's, that's not a real thing. Yeah. It's not yeah. a real principle at work. And, and eventually, uh, things unravel. And the, and the problem is they compete against each other, too. Like, pretty soon you can have a pretty good marriage, but it can be destroyed by really bad business practices. Wow. So, and vice versa. Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit because I think the different worlds, people don't see that the principles should align between the two yeah. or they should be integrated in some way and we start to fracture. And you actually talked about this this past weekend, compartmentalizing yeah. our lives. But those things leak, don't yeah. they? Yeah, and they, they leak into one another. And, and, it, and the more I work, the more I start to realize that there are personal relationships in the workplace. And I start to understand a little bit more about each person and what they believe. And you can see them at odds with themselves. You give them a little bit of a break because you get to know them more. But there's this misunderstanding of what they should be doing at home. And you'll hear them talk about it so passionately. And then you see them at work and they're so different. And they wouldn't want their kids to see them in that light. So how do you you get people to see that they should be living this integrated life across all three houses, actually? Yeah, I think the first thing is you have to just be aware, right? It's kind of like you have to do a little homework. You have to study a little bit. You have to be a little... uh, 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 you have to examine yourself. Uh, it's kind of like this. It's like, I think I shared with you guys before this podcast, I said, you know, I, I, I started lifting weights and cause I started lifting weights. I started eating a lot of food and then I started realizing, well, I didn't lift weights to get fat, but I'm getting fat now, yeah. like, I'm, you know, for my body type anyway. Right. And I don't carry fat that well. And so I, you know, I was like, geez, you know, but, but I understand why I'm getting fat. I've done enough homework concerning food, right, over the years Mm -hmm. where I can jump on it pretty quickly and go, ooh, I got to cut down the breads or I got to do this or I got to do that. Sounds real simple. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there are a lot of people out there who don't even know why they're getting fat. Yeah. They know nothing about nutrition. Yeah. They were maybe raised in a home where they never talk about it. We probably Mm -hmm. hear multiple times a month people saying, along with what you're saying, like, this is happening and I don't know why. Yeah. Business, marriage. Sure. Food. Weight. Right. Weight. So the first thing is you got to kind of self-examine. Yeah. But in golf, we always say this, that a good golfer isn't a golfer that never makes any mistakes out on the golf course. A good golfer is a golfer that understands the game enough to where when he's making a mistake, he can correct in the moment. Got it. Right. So you have to, you have to gain some self-awareness yep. and then you have to gain some knowledge. Yeah. Right. You know, in terms of learning about how to make things work in your life. And yeah. that's all that book was about is mm-hmm. getting them to view the idea that everything bleeds into each other. Yeah. Right. So you can't live one set of principles here and another set here. Yeah. It puts you at odds with yourself. That's right. Yeah. And so that's the first kind of aha moment. Mm-hmm. But then from there, the great thing is you can, you can take like, I used to do these seminars where the, very large ones where I'd ask people, how many of you think of yourself as madly successful in life? And like eight people out of 8,000 would raise their hand. Literally, oh, just be yeah. like, very few people wanted. You're not I, supposed to say that. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then I'd say, no, no, for, I, don't, I don't mean like, you know, like you're the most successful person on the planet. I just mean like you would view yourself as a pretty successful person. Yeah. And then like 15 hands would go up. Mm-hmm. And, then I'd, and then I said to him, how many of you have ever been madly successful at one thing? Like you won the spelling bee when you were in seventh grade. You had the best pig at the farm, right? Well, I don't know yeah. anything. You know? Yeah. Or maybe you have a great marriage. Every hand goes up. Wow. And, and so what I always said to them, if you can be madly successful at one thing, learn why. 
even if it's something that you th- wouldn't even think of as success. Learn why you're successful at that. If it's a marriage, why are yeah. you successful? Because uh, most aren't. Why don't you look at that and learn from that and then mm-hmm. apply that same principle to other things? Or or vice versa. If you're not if you're not wildly successful in your marriage, what are some areas that you have been where you can take those principles exactly and put them into your right. marriage? Yeah, yes. exactly right. Like let's say it's a spelling bee. Well, you got to practice. Yeah. Well, maybe you could take that in your marriage a little bit. Wow. Right? <laughs> That's apply, good. Yeah. Apply yourself, you know. I think it's so difficult for people, and Lee and I were talking about this and we wrote it down and discussed it, is it in our culture it's so move, do, act and so that time to reflect and i guess like you were saying golf it gets to this point where you're correcting in the moment but before you get there you've got to learn to even set aside the time to reflect and understand and examine and it can get a little difficult especially when you're keeping it all in your head you see my notebook out here yeah. that's my way you of have the it. greatest notes i've ever seen <laughs> you, is that is that uh, over on that side is that that's typed out that's typed and that's written and that's out. written wow yeah. that's amazing i should i need my own font you need your own font it's <laughs> the same really, size really it's really like good handwriting as well which yeah. drives me crazy what yeah. size of font do you write in about a it's, about a six or a four a, it looks I'm like not, a, it's an eight no, it's it's no, think? no, it's big. It's smaller than an yeah, eight. Yeah, it's pretty I think you're writing I think in a, a size four font. And I can go smaller. I could write on rice. <laughs> That's first of all, you take that principle, apply it to anything, and we're all gonna win together. We'll just oh ride. Gosh, that's we'll just ride your tail. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, so how one of the things that you said that stood out to me big time was that they have to learn how to identify those things. Yeah. Many people, and I would say myself sometimes in life, don't don't take that time to identify that. Obviously, time is one of those things. Yeah. What are some other indicators of how you even recognize some areas that you're really succeeding at in life and areas that you're really failing at in life? Yeah, honesty is a, is a bitch. Yes. Can I say that on this podcast? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I, I, I I think the biggest key is, is is being honest with self is not easy. You'd think that'd be the easiest person to be honest with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's not that hard to lie to others. Yeah. And right? I'm not going to leave me. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to leave me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's but, true. but, you know, the reality of it is, is we lie to ourselves a lot. And I think we lie to ourselves for one primary reason. You know, it, we don't want to see ourselves sometimes the way we really are. Yeah. Right, because and that's a little bit of that self hatred, you know. We just go, man, or you know, I just I don't I don't like the idea that I could be viewed this way. Yeah, and I always remind people, it's just you, bro. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's like you're not getting away from it. Yeah, you know, and uh, so I think the first thing you have to do, and I I, I think I was sharing this with you, Ryan. Um, I started doing this thing a while back where I would take, not every day, mm-hmm. but almost every day now, I would take uh, about ten or fifteen minutes sit down, close my eyes, and as long as I could think about some problem that I needed to solve mm-hmm. or something I was trying to accomplish yeah. and think it through without distraction. Yeah. In other words, don't let your mind wander. And then I worked up to the point where I could get up to a half hour to an hour. Yeah. Wow. Of, yeah. of, and you think, well, that's a long time. Eh, it's not that long. You watch a TV show that long. Yeah. So, so what I found was is, is it did two things. It allowed me to figure some things out which were pretty cool, yeah. you know, really think through some deep issues. But you can't do that without yourself being totally engaged. So that's a real honest kind of moment with yourself. 
right? That most people don't have with themselves. Yeah. And so I started like, I, I woke up not too long ago and I told my wife, Lisa, I said, man, I feel like, you know, God was kind of confronting me in my sleep that I'm a liar. And she had the same, she kind of looked at me like, you got something to tell me, you know? And I was yeah. like, no, no, no. I went through that same checklist. I thought I'm not a liar. I'm a pretty honest mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. And then I started realizing as I, as I took some time to think about it, oh my gosh. Yeah. Sometimes just exaggerating or this or that or not wanting to hurt or not wanting. And I just found you can manipulate your way through life. Yeah, you really and, can. And I don't want to have a, a principle rising up in my life like a manipulation because they bleed through. So this is right? interesting. They, they, they leak into other areas. Yeah. Because I think one thing, we the way we've painted this, our principles are positive. You can you can walk in that and understand that, hey, principles are a good thing, but they can also be negative principles uh-huh. that are leading your life. And I think that, I just realized that right now, I don't really think about that. And we, I think we refer to principles too as thought patterns. Also yeah. things that you're repeating to yourself over and over again, because I remember back when my first job, one of the things I told myself all the time was that I was smart, capable, and then it started bleeding into a little bit better than everyone. Oh, but yeah, yeah. So, right. so the realization there from, from a principal standpoint was um, who are you comparing yourself to? What's mm. your frame of reference? Because if you're trying to be the best, if you're trying to be elite in something, well, are you comparing yourself to that group of people or are you just making yourself feel better? in the moment. So I had to back off and go, Hey, the outcomes that I'm experiencing don't align with that view of who, who I'm saying I am, or I think I am. So I think that's another way to get out of a principle is a misalignment between reality and that story you're telling yourself. So if you sit and examine that story in that, in that space, creating that space to be really, really thoughtful of, of what's going on here, the way to test it is what's going on in your real life. What mm. fruit are you bearing? How, what kind of feedback are you getting from the world? And I think that's that's the hard part to be honest with yourself about. Well, here's a good trick. So this is a sneaky trick because the human mind is sneaky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you notice that? You <laughs> yeah. know, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're all a little bit crazy sometimes up here, right? Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of psychosis happening in all of us. And uh, so we, whenever I would take people through that kind of self-examination thing, I always kind of created this wheel. It's been around for a long time. It's kind of like at the center of the wheel, you know, to the edge of the wheel. And then I draw a line out of different areas in my life. Maybe one's family, maybe one's business, maybe one's relationship. Like, like spokes. Spokes in a wheel. Got yeah. It. And then I would grade myself one through 10. Maybe I'm a five here, yeah. two here, 10 here. First of all, it gives me some wins. <laughs> yeah. Of course, because you know, yeah. you know, what I mean, because when you're self-examining, you can't you can't allow the self-examination to to go into depression, mm-hmm. right, or into some kind of anxiety. And you yeah. probably don't suck in every area. You don't. Nobody does. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you grade yourself up. Some areas, you know, you're, it gives you the chance to grade yourself fairly down, mm-hmm. and some areas are just in the middle. Yep. And then, since this is a wheel and it's supposed to move smoothly, I have people draw a line between each one of their things. Yeah. And then I ask them, how well will that wheel roll? Wow. You're better off with 10 fives than you are with a 10, a 2, a 1, an 8, a 4, and a 3. Interesting. And, yeah. And and so it doesn't mean that there aren't, because uh, we're not talking about like giftings. I always remind people this. I'm not talking about giftings. It's good. Giftings are different. Giftings, you'll have a 10 and a 1. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything about that. It's a gifting. We all know that. And you should highlight your gifts and not wor- worry so much about your negatives in yeah. that way. We're talking about principles you live by. 
how your life's doing, character, those internal things that allow you to roll through life on balance and yeah. move through it well, right? Move yeah, through it. You smooth. may have a 10 and a one in giftings, but you better not have a 10 in business and a one in parenting. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. So, so these are, these are really, really core to who you are. It's yeah. not just traits. It could be characteristics that are guided by principles, right? It's things you lean into. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit more than others. Well, we all know the, like I'll say the business guy, since I'm a guy, I, yeah. I won't put women in this category, but there are. We all know about the business guy who's 60. Mm -hmm. His health is bad. He drinks like a fish. His kids don't love him. His wife's, you know, kind of with him, maybe. Or at least his third one is still with him. And, uh, and yet he has a big house. And so that's on that one side of you can have everything financially. Yeah. But you're dying on all levels. Yeah. Right. And that's not a guy who loves himself. Yeah. That's a guy who really has a hatred for himself. Yeah. On the other hand, you can have somebody who is... You know, that old boy, he doesn't have much and he doesn't have much money, and but he's got a lot of love. And the answer yeah. is, well, if he doesn't get it together in that area, he's going to let a lot of people down because if he has kids, he needs some money. Wow. Right. If he has a wife, he needs a home. Yeah. Right. So, you know, the balances go all ways. Yeah. Right? I think when, when we're looking at success and, and grading, I guess, assessing our principles, we think on one dimension. Yeah. It's very, very difficult to balance. So I think that visual of the circle with spokes is just tremendously helpful because it gets yourself out of going, okay, there's only one guiding principle I have to live by. No, I have to balance this set of principles that lead to a desired life at work, home, financially, all of it. Yeah, very good. And really some of those principles, I mean, their principles are bleeding into one another. So a principle that works in business probably will, if it's an overarching principle, work in your marriage as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. In fact, sometimes businesses are failing, uh, not because of their product or not because of the energy of the leader. Sometimes they just have a, a terrible atmosphere at work. Yeah. You know, we, we look at that since I'm in the church world too. I think about that. I can have a talented worship leader. I can have, I can teach really good. I can do all this other stuff. We can have all these things that are going on on that surface. But if everyone hates each other, yeah, that church is doomed. Yeah. Right. See, so there's, there's those basic things we all know. I just think we sometimes move through life so fast that we don't take a minute to save an hour. Right. We don't yeah. take an hour to save a lifetime. Yeah. No, because right. it's a little counterintuitive. I, this is actually on our list. There's something to talk to you about because I've talked to friends before who just get so overwhelmed that they dive straight in. And it's, it's, a, it's a little bit counterintuitive to think, hey, if I take 30 minutes and get set up, get some guiding principles, plan ahead, do what I need to do. And, and this bleeds into a little bit of your mindset stuff, but we, we just run straight in. We don't see that, hey, that anxiety is just going to continue to loop because you, you're on to the next thing and you can't see ahead. So setting some time aside to, yeah. to think through things a little bit more and save yourself, oh, okay, let me think through why I failed in the past here. And because that, that hard work, that labor of, of thinking through one principle, it's going to be repeated over and over that's, again. That's exactly right. You master a principle, yeah. you own it for life. Yeah, because they have an eye. Because scale is some is a business idea. Like sure, businesses are trying to achieve scale. Growth marketing is a is a big thing in the business world, and and we don't realize there are some mental tools that scale as well. And those primarily yeah, no are doubt. principles. 
What are some principles that you like specifically that you would encourage people as you're sitting down with them and, and talking about kind of the toolbox of principles that they live by? What are some specific principles that you would say would work for all people? Yeah, I would say probably the, the foundation. Like if I, if I, it all depends who I'm talking to. Okay. And, and, but if it's a, if it's an efficacious person, so they're already kind of there, they're mm. a producer, they're kind of, they've, they're skilled, they're educated. They, they, they kind of start from a different platform. It's kind of like if you start with your kids, okay. you're kind of giving them some real simplistic principles, right? Okay. So I think that, you know, I can assume the best, like, like the two of you guys, you know, you're business owners, you're leaders, you know, you've done a lot of great things in your life. You're not young anymore, right? You used to be, but yeah. now you're not, right? And uh, yeah, Lee, Lee, at least told, me. Yeah, Lee, yeah, Lee, Lee's in his uh, mid 30s yeah. now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but there are billionaires mm-hmm. in their mid 30s. That's right. Yeah. Right. So, so what I look at is I think, okay, an efficacious person, they could be younger, but they're usually starting, they've achieved some things. Yeah. The first thing I deal with is this idea of, of esteem. What is your estimated value of self? Right. And I think that's a really big one because. We know from, there's a great book out there. I don't know if you've read it. It's a boring book, but it's the book on self-esteem called The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and one of the things we understand about self-esteem is that kind of like a, 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 in weightlifting, in weightlifting, we know this, that if you're pushing weight, your body can push much more weight than, than your brain is allowing it to. Like, like put, your, put your body under a certain situation, like a car is on top of your child. Yeah. There are people lifting cars. Moms. Moms, just lift a car. It's like, what? how do you lift a car? My mom could lift a car. You're my, yeah, yeah, especially. <laughs> yeah, and, and so how did that happen? Well, that happened because to some degree in your brain, there's a fuse box that keeps you from doing things beyond your level. Wow. But it doesn't mean you can't. Yeah. It just means you'll get hurt, right, if you do something beyond your level to handle it. Wow. Yeah. So that's why a lot of people don't end up prospering financially in certain areas because they've never been around anybody that has it's not normal to them yeah. every person they ever saw prosper growing up in the hood just ended up on drugs and in jail wow. from prosperity sure it did, wasn't a blessing yeah, it wasn't a positive thing right even in the church world sometimes we get taught how negative finances are while yeah. we're, while people are still taking up offerings yeah you know and the thought is yeah but we know how to handle money and to some degree they're right Right. See, that can even that to some yeah, degree, yeah. they can be right. You, you know, you don't know how to handle money, so it can hurt you. So, in all things, I think the most important thing when I'm talking to somebody about what what they're going to do yeah. is for them to really evaluate themselves and find strengths. Right, find strengths, mark those strengths down, work on those strengths first before they work on weaknesses. Like in a business, in a company, like mm-hmm. when I would go in and talk with leaders at a company. And, and like, which I've done, you know, a lot, many, many times, been in many a boardroom in my day. Their assumption is, is I'm going to go after their weaknesses. Mm. They've kind of hired me to help them grow. Yeah. So the first thing is, well, obviously he's pretty good at spotting all those weaknesses. So now Lee, that's actually my phone going off. I told you airplane mode. <laughs> Air, not airplane what it used mo- to be. It, it let him down. And not what it used to be. Yeah. That's the iPhone. You know, it's no, funny. I love my iPhone. You know, it's funny. Hopefully, you'll keep this in. I'm going to. Uh, uh, it was it was uh, uh, a scam. 
Likely, <laughs> likely scared. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> they thought so, you wouldn't turn it down when you're on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's a, likely, it's a perfect time to get him. Scam calling. So I think I think the greatest exercise anybody can go through is to sit down and assess all their qualities. First and foremost, like before we do mm-hmm. balance wheels, before we do anything yeah. else, sit down with somebody that, that believes in you and mm-hmm. assess your qualities. Go to work on those qualities. Go to work on your estimated value. And then there's three things I always tell people that determine your value. Your health. Now, I don't mean that you're, if you're unhealthy, you're not valuable. Yeah. But if you're unhealthy, it's going to consume a lot of your time. Good. Yeah. So I'm just talking about value. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So just try to stay healthy, man. Those basic things. Right, because that's really important. The second one is is how young you are. This is why a lot of older people, you would think their self esteem as they've succeeded just skyrockets. Always great self esteem. Sometimes as people get older, it it, it goes against them uh, because they have a commodity called time. Okay, that they have less of, okay. and they're realizing it. They're realizing, it, yeah. And even if they don't want to face it, okay. they realize it. It's Got happening. It. So their health, how much time they have. Right. And then the third one is, is, is it's kind of a general idea, but it is your likability. Okay. Just who you are. Okay. Right. Cause if you're, it, your likability determines whether or not you can become president. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you somebody, well, Trump, Trump's not likable. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Just not with you, mm-hmm. but over there, he's super likable. So how much people like you, They're, you're how, how attract, how attractive you are to others. Yeah. But these things are, are very, very difficult because yeah. as people, if their health is weak or they don't feel strong, if they're getting older, or sometimes it can even be if they're super young, mm-hmm. they can assess themselves wrongly and also how likable they are. But these things are really easy to tweak. You can always go to work on your health yeah. no matter where you're at. If yep. you have four-stage cancer, you can still work on your health. It's good. Right? Yeah. And, and in that, you'll find some esteem. That's why you see, if you ever see anybody that gets a really bad diagnosis, it's really devastating. And then usually you see massive determination. That's right. Like almost hero-like determination. And the same thing is true as we get older. In other words, if you spend no time mentoring others, helping others, having a vision for others, see, that keeps that that person's value high. Um, But just wanting to be respected for being older. Yeah, you're not going to get that. Just the opposite will start happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the opposite. You'll just find yourself in a spiral of low self-esteem. Yeah. And then the final the, the final one is is your likability. And I always remind people, some people, they never work on their likability. And it's like, why would you do that? It's one of the simplest things you can do. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the greatest ways for open doors to take place. I always tell people in the sales world, remember, people don't buy its. They don't buy things. They buy you. You have to work on your likability. So how does one go about, because that's, it, that seems self-evident, and yet I'm yeah. trying to think of, like, how do you work on your yeah. likability? Yeah. So how do you work on your likability? I don't teach many things that aren't obvious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. You, know you really mean? don't. You just put a – it's profound the way you, yeah. you lay it out because we're not – like you said before, we're just not taking the time. I've never so heard somebody say work on your likability before, but that seems so freaking obvious. It's just so today. obvious. <laughs> It's yeah. ridiculous, well, and I've never heard it in my life. Well, it'll keep you in check, won't it? Yeah. yeah. If you think back in your life, almost every failure you've had, really bad one with people, it's because you did something that wasn't likable. Okay, yeah. Or, or they did. That's yeah. good. Yeah. 
one of the two of you. That's I mean, really good. And Amer- something you could have easily oh, avoided. Oh, man. It, I always tell couples this. Ask yourself the question to your about your spouse. Are you likable? Yeah. Because if you're not. Yeah, that's bro, a good it's question. Just, it's going to. And we, and we take each other for granted, right? Oh. And uh, and so on and so on and so on. As a parent, are you likable? Doesn't mean you have to do everything your kids want. Oh my gosh, yeah. Right, but are you likable? That's so good. if you're on a team, if you're in a company, wherever you're mm-hmm. at, so that that seems like a small one, but it's yeah. a huge one because it's an esteem one. Yeah. Right. It is. It is a. It's a in a sense a, a marker. Yeah. Of esteem, and um, and so I've heard recently, in fact, if you don't mind, no, of course, I've heard recently somebody describe. Socialism is kind and capitalism is evil and terrible. And I thought, no, socialism, you need no feedback. Yeah. Capitalism demands constant feedback on yourself. That's right. Yeah. And or, that, you know, yeah. It's and a I great think gift. That's exactly why this tool of self awareness is so valuable in in a capitalist economy. It's because you need that feedback. You need to sit there and you need to look at yourself and it's about the community more than it is about yeah. self because the market's going to determine how you do. Well, yeah. and, it, and the <laughs> brands, right. they are the community, aren't they? they? The brands that seem to be doing the best are the brands that serve the most. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, I first job ever was Chick-fil-A for me. I was 15 years old. I was the first person they hired. They were starting this new store and the training that they take you through of how to serve somebody is intense for mm. a 15, 16 year old. That's all my kids. Wow, first job yeah. is going to yeah. be Chick-fil-A. Yeah, uh, it's just going to be like I my my first adult job was at Nordstrom's. They had go. other and jobs. You there you go. Great was, yeah, principle yeah. driven yeah. business wow. trained exactly right. So there's yeah, a, yeah the Nordstrom they, they they have the Nordstrom way. Yeah, yeah. that's what they call it the Nordstrom's way. <laughs> Look, principles like the customer's stuff. always right. Yeah. Well, we all know the customer's not always right. right. No. But the basic foundational yeah. mindset. Let's start there. Now, the, what a likable concept that is. Yeah. No I'm kidding. gonna treat you like you're right. Yeah. Yep. You, and you're going to like me for that. Exactly. The, the little, like, I started working at Chick-fil-A before they started saying my pleasure. So that's how old I am. It was almost 20 years now. Wow. That I, In fact, it'll be 20 years next month. That's crazy. All right, I'm done talking about that. <laughs> I was like, do they so, have a so picture well, of you welcome, on the wall? Welcome to my world, <laughs> <It's> right? Like, <laughs> what's Chick-fil-A paying you? So, so, yes, I'll, and I may eat there tonight just for this. <laughs> so the, but, but I remember when they took us through the My Pleasure training, it was like what that, what that phrase communicates, whatever your request was, it's my pleasure to fulfill. Mm. That's a powerful concept. Yeah. yeah. It's next level service. That, that is a founding principle for those yeah. guys. It's how do we make it better? Yeah. Hey, you did a video recently. Uh, it was a masterpiece video for a roofing company. Yes. Uh, and you asked me to watch it. And yes. I think you wrote the content. I did. Is that true? Yeah. I did. And, uh, but it had nothing to do with roofing. <laughs> what did it have to do? We with? were telling a story. Yeah, it's, it, my, my idea for those guys was telling a story about what takes place underneath the roof because that's where everything happens and i was i was kind of thinking about back i mean i've got a a nine-year-old a six-year-old and a three-year-old and and the incredible memories that we have that took place under under a great roof yeah yeah and and how really all a roofing company is doing is protecting those stories yeah yeah that That was my idea when i watched this short little video it 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 had everything in it. it had all three houses in it the love that you saw was very spiritual then it also was on a family, yeah, right. And yep. All this family stuff happening, these memories yeah. of family and the love they had for each other, and how. And then it got to business because at the end of the day, they hired that's you right. to, to sell right. roofs, help them sell roofs, right? Yeah. And that's okay. But 
But the reason why it was powerful powerful is because it was it's intuitive. Yeah, right? right. I mean, it's like, yes, these things all work together. And if they weren't careful, they would have come up with their own idea about how great their shingles are. Right. Yeah. Or how great this yep. is. But the fact of the matter is I, I remember watch looking at it on Facebook. They yep. might have posted yeah. it. Um, hopefully they'll see this, right? And, yeah. and uh, getting another advertisement <laughs> out of me because I like the commercial so yeah. much. I thought that was awesome. It was Pick, really good. Pickle roofing. We love those guys. Pickle roofing, yeah. Yeah, yeah awesome. And so the gentleman uh, that was the dad or the yeah. CEO or yep. probably founder, found, of the, founder of the company, Randy and, Pickle. Yeah, dad and CEO. Because yep. you know what? He's a dad and CEO. Yep. Yeah. CEO and dad. Yep. Right? He had uh, he had people friends of his comment, and the way they commented was like, They're "Dude, crying. we need to have you come do our commercial." Like as if he wrote it all, yeah. did it all, filmed it, right? <laughs> yep. Because it because in a sense, he just hired somebody who was real smart yeah. to pull out of him. That's what happened. The principles yeah. he's lived by yeah. for and that's the three thing. or four decades. It's true. I it's literally true. sat down over a breakfast with him, asked him a slew of questions, yeah. and from that, that's how we wrote this. So I wanted to make mm-hmm. all those things were true to him, every yeah. one of them. You know what's amazing? This just hit me. I never thought about this, but he's got to have a lot of people working for him. Yeah. Right? And they're going to watch it. Yeah. And what they're going to th- see is they're not going to think, oh, how great our CEO is. They're going to say, what a great dad. He- Man, I can trust this. It's great working yeah. here. What a great company I work Right? For. What a great company, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. We, we, one thing we've talked about in the past is that brand and culture are two sides of the same coin. Mm. Brand is just a lagging indicator of culture. So, so those business principles that whatever he lived by and allow Lee to pull out that story from him, because he, he had this great story in yeah. him, it, it was just validated. I thought, didn't he hire those kids? Yeah. That was not, yeah, yeah, that's not even a real story. Just, yeah. That's a Hollywood kid. Yeah. They were pretty sharp looking. Pretty sharp family. looking. Could have been, could have been hired. Yeah. yeah. Right, but no, you're right. They just came right out of it. Yeah, yeah. and and so that that story is so easy to tell because we were talking about this. Principle driven businesses are much better brand yeah. businesses or, or businesses where you can tell a brand story. Even my my old boss at the company I work for right now, one of his principles he lived by for for guest experience was every guest every time, and mm. and. People can simplify that and, and get a little confused as in every guest is supposed to have the same experience. But what he's trying to get you to understand is, is that every guest has an expectation and that's what we're after. We're after mm. understanding that expectation and going above and beyond. And so every person you come into contact with, hey, that's what you're going to try to do. And just like, just like Randy, these principles are what draws people to these leaders mm. and, it, and it makes them interesting because they're telling a story within their culture and then once you have that telling a brand story is, is much much easier that's right well and don't families do that like i always used to you know teach when i would mess with business people's minds a little bit mm-hmm. i always used to teach this concept with my kids that i i, I always would say this isn't the conaway way that conaways do things yeah. this way yeah Right. And, and I was just drilling in these principles all the time. And yeah. it's just a brand. It's yeah. my home brand. Yeah. And wow. we all know, like, if somebody in our family is the, the crazy one in the yeah. family, they ruin our brand, don't they? That's right. Yeah. You ever see it on TV where some evil thing will happen? Some young person will do something just just brutal. And then they then they go talk to the parents. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, I always feel so bad as a dad because I just think, what shame. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? What shame. And it's kind of like, Wow, their family brand. Mm-hmm. 
could be destroyed forever. There are certain names you can't name your kid. Yes. Yeah. And that's totally like you can't name your kid, you know, I mean, it's like there's Adolf there's Hitler a, is a name you yeah, can yeah, never yeah. use again. There's, there's all these names, right? <laughs> yeah. Their brand is just yeah. gone. It's gone. Because yeah. it's a brand. Yeah. That's interesting. So what are some of those, what are some of the, th- the, the principles that you have personally applied to your life that you live by? Yeah, uh, there's not one principle I haven't broken. So that's what I want to start with, just out of that's humility, right? Yeah. So where I ha- where I've done a, I have something that I haven't just kind of went, oh, I really messed that up, mm-hmm. right? Because that's that's part of the mess of human beings. That's kind of the mess of business. No business just always wins and it's always successful, right? They're mm-hmm. they're always yeah. They're under this heat and pressure all mm-hmm. the time. So I I just give that little yeah that little intro to it. But I'll give you three that are the ones that are that are just the simplest ones okay. that I've done pretty good at, and I think they're really good because they adjust well. Okay, what I mean is when I'm blowing it, I can, I know how to adjust them. Yeah. Okay, right, that makes sense. Right, the first one is to be the first to to uh, ask for forgiveness. So my family, for example, knows me as the first one to ask for forgiveness, and I do it more often. So I've asked for the forgiveness of my kids more than they have from me. Apology might be a different word. Yeah. I've apologized to my wife more than she's apologized to me. So it's just a simple thing, right? Because I'm, I'm trying to lead the yeah, way yeah. in that, right? So that one, I, I, you know, I just feel like... Again, there's there's, so there's obvious. just a... Uh, it is so obvious, yeah, and yet yeah. there's, there's such a humility in that principle. Yeah, and a great strength in it. Yeah. Right. But but I'm also doing it not just because I feel like it or I think it's the right thing or even sometimes the moral thing to do. Like it's sometimes just the moral thing to do. Sure. Right. But I'm also understanding a deeper principle that when I ask, when I think of myself, how do I want my wife and my kids not to view me, but how if they were to take on certain characteristics of mine that I think would serve them forever for a lifetime, which what would they be? So one of them is early on. I, I have a dad who ended up rejecting me out of divorce. My parents went through divorce, and my dad just held on to his position of always being right first with my mom, then eventually me. And it kind of broke our family structure apart, right? And so it's really a tough situation. Yeah. You know, my, my own kids don't know their own grandfather, wow. right? And so I thought, well, what could if he had done differently? I mean, he was the adult in the room. Yeah. yeah. I was just a kid. My parents got divorced when I was 14. Now I'm... I'm way older than they are when they got divorced, right? Yeah. So I get all that. I've been around. I love him. I'm for him. But it, but that relationship never got to keep going because yeah. the adult in the room just had to say, you know, Michael, let me own this one. Yeah, this is not you. This is wow. this is this is just dad, and dad isn't perfect. So I apologize. But because otherwise, we we're always expecting the children in the room to apologize, the right. employees or the this person. But so the, it must be their fault. That's what it must be, yeah. yeah. So the biggest thing I can do is is to apologize, not all the time, but more yeah. than them. The second one, real quickly, is to face my fears, right, honestly, mm-hmm. and to be courageous to the best of my ability. Just to face my fears and to be courageous. Right? How do you how do you face your fears? Cause we can, ident- you actually talked about yeah, this on Sunday. Yeah. There's, there's identifying fears and facing fears. And those are two different things. Yeah. I think, I think when you identify fear, I think it, it is, uh, it's not all that hard to do that. 
Yeah, okay. yeah, you know it's there. Yeah, because you're just like, man, I'm afraid of this. This is mostly for right. the people who are ignoring. Yeah, the fear, yeah, right. but but like I say about fear, you know, people yeah. like to compartmentalize it. But mm-hmm. the problem with compartmentalizing it is fear leaks. Yeah, right? yeah, so it just life. starts leaking into everything, yeah. right? So so my idea with that is is you know to face it is different, right? To face it is to in a sense realize you have the fear. And, and stare at it. So what I mean by stare at it, like let me, let me give you an example because we've talked about this discipline yeah. I've been doing, which is to take time, close my eyes, focus on something. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it's a fear okay, of some level. Yeah. Right? Almost everything I have in my life, I have to grow it. I'm at that age where yeah. almost everything around me, I'm one of the answers, if not the primary answer, to that thing growing. Yeah. Whether it's financial, whether it's in numbers, whether Good. it's in yeah. maturity. Yeah. I'm always growing something. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so with that said, a lot of times the fears come from my lack. Yeah. Right. And so, so I have to think through it. And so I have this thought that if I can just get some time and that's where I include my spiritual life, where I include God and I'll tackle something and try to solve it. Usually in solving it, you really have to face fears, real fears. You have to identify like, okay, what am I really feeling? What's really going on? What do I really have to do? Yeah. And right. I just want to pause this for a second because right now as you're going through this, for, for anyone who's thinking about a principle, you can reverse engineer how you're doing all this. These yes. are all questions yeah. you're asking yourself that kind of where this, this principle emerged from. And hey, we're hey that's great that. language. I, you know, I've never th- had that thought concerning what I do when I take these times to just kind of think. Mm-hmm. But to some some degree, almost in er- inevitably at some segment, as I'm just sitting there thinking, yeah. right? I'm I'm reverse engineering problems, yeah, and thinking through it's uh, these a- to getting a- answers and coming up with the answers. Yeah, yeah. I even heard right. when you said before for the first one was that you asked your when you were thinking about how your father behaved, you asked wh- what made him be like that and how yeah, can I be different? Exactly. And this is this is goes all the way back to the beginning when we're talking about carving out this yeah. time and because these are the questions you're asking yourself. Sometimes you can cuz I've seen the opposite happen where you can say I'm not going to be like that, I'm not going to be like that, I'm not going to be like that and you become like that because mm-hmm. you never got one layer deeper. Yeah, you didn't get And said why did this happen so that I cannot do that thing. Yeah. It also has really um to, at some level, I would, I would be, uh, I don't think it would be completely, but at some level, it's been the key to me not holding any bitterness against my own father. Wow. Yeah. Right. Because as I reverse engineer, as I think through what he must have gone through, as I think what I could be going through and what I need to do, mm-hmm. right. Those things give me courage. Yeah. Wow. Right. So that's that second idea is yeah. to just face fears, be courageous, yep. right. Face a fear. Be courageous. It's a great example for my wife. She, you know, not because she's a little woman and she needs her man to be courageous, but because she's a human being. Yeah. And she's there with me all the time. Yeah. And then my kids, you know, and then people yeah. around me that I've mentored. It's yeah. like face that fear. Yeah. You know, deal with that, look at it, assess it, figure it out, and courageously move towards the answer. Good. And not leave a lot of time for that fear to take root. Yeah. Right. It's the best I can. And so that's the second one. And then the the third one sounds probably corny, but <laughs> I'll, I'll take a, a jump at it. It's like, you know, I, I thought, what you know, most people, like the number one thing people desire is love. Yeah. And that's the number one thing. Yeah. 
you could be rich and without love, you'll feel, you'll feel poor and destitute. You could be poor. And if you have a lot of love, you'll feel fairly prosperous in life. Yep. You don't have to be one or the other. Mm -hmm. You can be rich with money. So that's okay. But the point is this, what's, what's really there is this idea that you know, somebody loves you. And the problem with love is, is really, what is it? Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? It's so hard to grasp, you know, it's like people, well, it's commitment. Well, there are yeah. people committed to hurt me, yeah. so it's not just commitment. <laughs> it's not, right? yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's so. like smoke. You you yes. know, it's there. It's it's real, but as soon as you try to grasp it, just yeah. I described it this hands. way: why, why we know it's so real. It's kind of like, um, you know, thought mm-hmm. itself is not real, but we see the manifestation of a thought out yeah. here. It'll yeah. come into some kind of manifestation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And over here, we see the human brain, which is made out of atoms and molecules and tissue and yeah. all this stuff. So that's real. Yeah. But in between, there's this thing called thought. Yeah. But we don't. But the brain isn't alive unless there's thought, right? And the manifestation yeah. doesn't never happens yeah. unless there was a thought. But the thought's the most intangible mm-hmm. of of those three things I described. So is love. Yeah. And so you know what what is difficult for for me is is to commit to being the biggest the the person that has the most love or maybe that's not the right term um no i think that makes sense yeah yeah to 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 if i'm gonna be competitive yeah compete to be a lover yeah right and and it's not always easy because sometimes in business or in family or other things man you just want to fight this this is kind of goes back to tough skin soft heart yeah exactly right yeah learning how to have a thick tough skin Mm -hmm. and a soft heart because anybody can have tough skin and a hard heart mm-hmm. and anybody can have thin skin and a soft heart yeah right those those are easy there's another principle but thick <laughs> yeah. skin yeah. and they're a soft heart i think is yeah. really important yeah you know because from that you're able to to have a sense of who you are and probably more than anything and this doesn't sound real motivational it's not meant to but probably more than anything these principles allow you to outlast problems yeah outlast certain yeah because you know the struggle is going yeah, to be there. that's right you're gonna yeah. have to walk through it and so you if you if you just have the mindset that you can outlast almost anything because you're applying that you're working mm-hmm. on these things yeah um almost every critic i've ever had i, I say almost because i don't yeah. know for sure but almost every critic i've ever had i've just outlasted yeah right yeah there's that, a stability to principles that's right, right. But, but you've set yourself up to be the one who mm-hmm. lasts wow mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. the same truth, all business people know that. Sometimes your business just needs to outlast this moment in time, like a bad and season. Or, yeah. I think there are many yeah, founders or, and yeah. CEOs and executives who, yeah. who need to hear that. Yeah. Right so, and they don't, and they don't under, you know, you can't just kind of um, dot the I's and cross the T's and do the thing and figure out everything on a scale yeah. when you have to outlast something. Yeah. Sometimes that's just pure courage and tenacity and all the things that you've been doing as an individual to keep yourself personally strong. Yeah. When the economy is going down and everyone else is quitting or giving up or they just don't have the strength or they're yeah. pulling their hair out, that kind of person rises to the occasion yeah. and maybe rising the occasion just allows them to last. Yeah. Right. But that's still a victory. Yeah. Cause that's right. the desert, right? 40 years. That's exactly right. That, that stuff is part of, mm-hmm. of success as well. Not just how fast you can count the money that's coming in. Yeah. Wow. So what are the, what are the, the indicators to know when to, when you need to change something and when you need to outlast something? Cause sometimes it's just plugging away and continuing to go and there's not necessarily something to change. It just, you need the, the circumstances eventually will dissipate cause you'll outlast them. 
Yeah, uh, I wish I had all the answers to that one. That's a yeah, great that's question. A hard one. Yeah, um, I, I do think this though. I, I think that that um, like I'm a golfer. Yeah. Right. And so, and I'm a pretty good golfer for a non-professional. I can play pretty good golf. Yeah. Um, you know, I can I can go low as as they say. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I have I have uh, I have golfed with you before. And and you're the best golfer I've ever uh, uh, gone to to play with, and also the easiest to go play with because you're actually encouraging in that. Yeah. And we've gone before with a with a foursome where there was another guy who was not so fun to play with. You know the guys who can't shoot under a hundred, but but they think they can, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and so they're they wanting to throw, throw yeah. clubs and all that. And this it, and so, anyways, he is uh, Pastor Mike. I think's got some at least one course record. How many course record? You're not. I, I, at I've least had, I've had two course records, okay. but one of them is got broken. Yeah, uh, that's a, a couple but you're of PGA retired. players came down and you're retired. And broke right my now. course record. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a true story. And uh, I I shot in a 66. They shot a 65 on a real real hard. Holy course. cow! And yeah. I think I think it's like a 7600 yard course or something. It's pretty. It's going to be in trouble during course. your comeback. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm at that age now where I keep threatening to butt myself up to the blue tees. I still play back. Yeah. But uh, but. Maybe I'm at that age now where I need to bump. You can do it. He lives on a golf course, and I've been in this backyard before where he's yeah. told people who are who are shooting from the red tees, hey, why are you guys shooting so far forward? I know them all, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, the tee box Just is back there, okay? Yeah, yeah, the tee box is back there. It's the one with the black things, that, you know, and they're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, I'm I, one of those I people. Think, I, think, I think almost nobody practices life. Okay. Mm. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. There's like, no like I, obvious. I, I was at the gym the other day and I was just practicing the mirror swing yeah. thing, you know, and, and the guy came up to me, a couple guys and go, Oh, you're a golfer. I said, yeah, you know, and I'm just busy working out and they, we started golfers quickly assess each other. Yes. Yeah. You know, like the first thing he says, what's your handicap? And I'm yeah. like, Oh gosh, you know, yeah. I, well, I said, I don't keep handicap. He goes, Oh, okay. I said, well, what's yours? And he said, like an eight. I said, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's incredible. I mean, yeah. eight is single digit handicap. That's yeah. phenomenal. And so as we got talking, uh, we just got talking, and he realized that maybe I knew a little bit more than him, uh -oh. right? Which in yeah. a good way, yeah. you know. So uh, he said, "Well, what's your what's the key to like going low?" And I and so I just I won't bore you guys with the details, but yeah. I said, it's real simple. Uh, if you never want to break a hundred, you don't ever have to do anything, <laughs> right? So that's okay. You fit into a pretty good group of yeah. people there, uh, especially if you're keeping your score honestly. If you want to break a hundred. There's a couple things you have to do. You have to learn how to actually hit the ball. Mm -hmm. That's it. You can just, <laughs> just a couple things. No, for real. If, if you just learn how to hit the things. ball, you'll break a yeah. hundred. Yeah. The reason why people can't break a hundred is they don't know how to hit a ball. Yeah. Right. And then to break into the eighties, uh, you've got to learn how to use all your clubs. That's about it. Yeah. How to use all your clubs to be able to shoot eighty-eight. Right. To break into the seventies, different story. There's three things you have to do. You never go OB off the tee. Never double chip mm -hmm. and never three putt. And every time, if you can basically hit a ball with every club, you'll be in the 70s. Not all wow. that hard. To be in the 60s, though. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. And I asked the guy, did you ever shot in the 60s? He goes, no. Well, he's an eight handicap. Yeah. He probably never will. And he asked me, I said, I've shot in the 60s hundreds of times. I've gone as low as 63. Yeah. Right? In my, when I was 55. Right? And, uh, and so I can, I can go real low. Um, and one summer, one summer at the golf course I was a member of, I never played above par one round wow. uh, and I'm an amateur. So he said, well, how do you do that? And I said, cause I practice. 
I said, so if you're going to shoot in the 70s consistently, you got to practice twice a week and play once to twice a week. If you're going to shoot in the 60s, you have to practice almost every day. At some level, you've got to mm-hmm. practice. And uh, because you've got to be able to never collapse out there. Because if you're still shooting in the 70s, you have two holes where you, it all falls apart. Wow. Yeah. Right? And if you're in the 80s, you have four holes that so fall how, apart, right? And, so how do you practice at life? Yeah. I think we're talking about that. I think that's really what okay. it is. That's the first step yeah. is to go, hey, I am committed to working on my life. Good. Then it's like, who do you get to coach you? Right? Uh, in soccer, when I was a kid, I was very fortunate. I walked onto a soccer field, Lincoln Park, in Seattle, Washington, at age seven, which means my parents decided I wasn't going to play football. Yeah. Right? And it was, How it was tall like, were you then? I was pretty tall. I don't know how tall I was at seven, <laughs> but I was pretty tall. I was a big kid. Yeah. And uh, a bit slow at that time because I was a big kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was, you know, at seven years old, it's just a little rec league. You know, it's just a little, it was just the local park just happened to be that another guy who ends up being the coach his son seven goes to the same grade school Kemal Genshis and they're Turkish they were a Turkish family he came yeah. over he's an engineer at Boeing and uh just happened to be that dad was phenomenal eventually became the biggest name in Washington State soccer the president of the soccer association oh blah, blah, blah. you know my that team went on to win seven state championships yeah. right and all that but I just walked onto a field at age 11 though uh, I wasn't good enough to be on that team it was already starting to become like win the city championships win the first state championship is that level and I was too too big and too slow they were getting, by that time, better soccer players at that level are really good already. So were they honest with you about that? Yeah, or? they had to because yeah. it was a select team by that time. He sat yeah. me down. So they were your self-awareness. Yeah, and he was my coach. Mm-hmm. Right? And so yeah. he had a question for me. He goes, okay, um, do you want to continue to play soccer? Wow. <laughs> right? Because yeah. you can't keep up to these dudes, yeah. right? And I was like, yes, I do. He goes, okay, great, great. That's good, good. And he's a, I, I yeah. love that he's passed since since you wow. know uh, a few years back yeah. but he's like a second dad to me and i said yeah and he said okay good he said now currently you're not able to keep up to the team so i could put you on a lesser team which mm-hmm. would still be a pretty high ranked team yeah right because we were at the highest level and uh and you would be able to play a lot more because you have a lot of good skills you just can't keep up to to these to this team yeah. and i said oh okay and he goes or you could try out for a goalkeeper. You're pretty big. And I said, goalkeeping is life for me, and I would gladly try out for you. <laughs> That's literally yeah. so, somewhat what I said. So he began to train me. He had a friend yeah. just by chance. who was a Turkish international goalkeeper. Wow. That's as good as you get around oh my the world, gosh. right? Yeah. yeah, and it just happened to be in, in the States, right? I, I don't even know what the guy did. Probably an engineer as well, yeah. right? And uh, so I started training with him eventually. And all this stuff started happening to the point where I became the best goalkeeper in the country. Wow. And, but I had good coaching. But I had choices. Because each, each step demands a different commitment. And it could demand a great adjustment. Because playing goalkeeper wasn't what I wanted to do. But yeah. I wanted to stay on the team. So I'm making adjustments. I'm having to step it up. I'm having to practice. And I need great coaching. Yeah. And so that's hard. If you don't have the great coaching, you have to find it. Yeah, because the coach, I guess, in, in this scenario, because in life we, we typically walk away from coaches, and we haven't talked about yeah. it, but you're the OG life coach. Yeah. And 
I think what we're talking about, it, it's very, very difficult to sit on your own and be critical. Those, it's, li- it's those lies yeah. are going to just continue to filter in. In golf, we say you can't see your own swing. Yeah. That's wow. the problem with it, right? You can't see your own swing. So, and the same thing is true in life. And, and yet most people don't have a skill for that. That happens to be a, a skill I have, mm-hmm. um, but most people don't. But they can ask their spouse to be that. If they have a little humility, they can ask a friend to be that. Um, they can ask an employer yeah. to be that. So, so at some level, I would say, I can always tell somebody who's going somewhere at some level, whether they did it instinctfully, what, whatever level it is, they have coaches in their life. Yeah, They might not be called a coach. Yeah. It might not be a professional term. Uh, but coaching yourself, yeah, I, you know, I, it just, it never works because you just can't too many blind spots, too many blind spots. Yeah. Too many scotomas or blind spots in our life. You just can't see them. And sometimes the more successful you are, it creates the blind spots. Yeah. Right. Because success takes focus, Yeah. but focus takes the peripheral out of view. So there's dangers yeah. even as you begin to win and succeed. Sometimes we think of coaches as somebody who is further ahead of us in every area of life, but you can have coaches in, in segments of your life. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So how do yeah. you find great coaches? Yeah. Well, I, that, I don't know. Um, I, I wish I did. Um, I think, I think, I don't, I don't know. I didn't find those coaches. Yeah. Right. Um, I think, uh, I don't mean to be mystical about it, but I think to some degree, you know, there is that sense of as you're, if you're, if you're seriously pursuing anything, I think you'll attract people to you. So I'm going to answer my own question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How was I? Cause you've, cause you've been a coach to me and, and I initiated that relationship. And Mm -hmm. so some of that was, I found somebody who was a thousand steps beyond me in an area that I wanted to get to. And I pursued the relationship. So it, it, in, in this relationship, it was in numerous uh, areas, and sometimes it's, it's, it may be an older guy with a younger guy who, is yeah. a, who, who has a expertise in a certain area that they want to be coached in and get better in, but it's, it's finding that, that person and then uh, identifying who that is and then pursuing that relationship. Yeah. yeah, I like that. And by the way, just real quickly, mm-hmm. I find myself now looking for coaches that are primarily younger than me. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning new things. Different. Yeah. I have to. I can't. What am I going to do? This is. Find a 75-year-old guy? Yeah. yeah. I'm looking for guys that are younger, and they have skill sets. Like sure. you guys. Yeah. Sure. Coach me back. That's so interesting, because I was just thinking about a story probably a month, month and a half ago, as I was pitching an executive team on, on some work, and and this the chairman and CEO of the company had invited this really young guy to the meeting, and I was wondering why he was hmm. there. I was like... I don't know. He's not, it's not specifically within his area of competence, but soon into the meeting, I realized why he brought brought him in because he was pushing back. He asked Mm. really tough questions, not just to me, but everyone in the room. And he was coaching up the room because he wasn't scared to give that feedback. We was, we were talking about, he was kind of, he was kind Mm. of like your coach in that situation. He's, he's asking questions and telling the room the truth. And, that was valuable for the entire group. Wow. And it was crazy because I go, this, this guy's smart. He, this is exactly why you brought him yeah. into the room because he, he knows there, there are a few players on his team and their, their primary function is loyalty and they're valuable because of that. But they're also, there are gaps there and you need a coach. You need someone who's going to give you that feedback and ask the tough questions, the things that you may have ignored or you stumbled into and they're, and they're going to see it and, 
I think if you open up your mind and expand what your definition of coaching is, I think you can you, you can find those maybe they're mentors, maybe they're they're friends, and you can get it from all these different places because I don't think today we have we don't have that traditional enter into a career apprentice under a master right, and it, right. it just doesn't exist within the fabric of our our culture and even in any the, the career paths that are yeah. emerging and, and so you've got to do it in an unorthodox way and and that was an example that I saw where I I was so surprised but it was became so evident why this person was, was in the room and they had that skill set and probably don't even they probably don't even recognize that that's that's a skill set in and of itself. Yeah, and and sometimes you know, just asking people like your own kids as they get older, uh, "Hey, coach me in this." Mm-hmm. That that there helps you know. their frame of mind change yeah. a little bit, right? Now they're not being critical; they're just they're actually helping you, yeah. right? Um, you know, that's a great question, Lee, because if I understand what you're saying, is that I explain I'd explain it this way: I was uh, I did a conference for pastors uh, one time, and 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 this particular time they they were talking to me as even though i have a ministry background they had me there as coach mike mm-hmm. right yeah. i kind of hate to talk about myself in the third person <laughs> yeah. right? but that's what they had me there for so a question came up very similar bunch of and it's a bunch of pastors and it had to be a hundred pastors mm-hmm. so they represent tens and tens of thousands of people and i said well here's a thought i want to give you it's not a pure thought what i told them, but it's still a thought we can wrestle with as pastors oftentimes as pastor we pastor down Right, and I don't mean in a wrong way. We're just like we use words like we're the covering, mm-hmm. okay? Right, we're the pastor. We're the mm-hmm. and and these are the sheep, mm-hmm. right? And we're and we're protecting. Those are uh, all yeah, yeah. those are all languages, you know. Mm-hmm. The, even in a positive sense of mm-hmm. pastoring down, yeah. Like the Pope is you know, that term is means Papa, okay. Daddy, yeah. Right. So we if we're not careful, we only yeah. think dad and you preach from a pulpit right and you preach from a pulpit right all that stuff it's those positions of authority or position of covering so far so good there's not nothing wrong with that yeah Mm -hmm. but but i introduced this thought so i said so we we pastor down but we also have to learn how to coach up sometimes there are people in our congregations more successful than us Mm -hmm. a lot more successful what do you do with them because they can they can actually feel like this is not you know, they're not used to this. Mm-hmm. And then others are not real successful, but they need us to come up from underneath them wow, and lift them, right? But there are a lot of dangers in that. Like you can lift people right up and out of your church because now they're better than you. So pastors, if they're not careful, are always pastoring down. Mm-hmm. So I always say there's this balance, right? Sometimes you're, you're just protecting. You're a parent and it's just protection. Uh, but you know, you're the son of of Thomas Thomas. I am the son of Thomas right? Thomas. Right. So if uh, you're at right at that prime age where you're just now starting to realize how much he knows, even two, three years ago, and I'm not saying you've, we haven't yeah. even talked about this. Yeah. It's just the nature of our ages, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's you're right at that age. And, and, and because dads have been so busy protecting over the years, doing whatever it takes, that you almost don't even really know them. Yeah. Like really the stuff that's deep in them. Yeah. They haven't had time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But then all of a sudden it shifts, mm-hmm. right? And so, it, but if all he ever is is this guy that's always over, yeah. as you get older, 
that relationship will get strained if that's all he'll ever allow himself to be. So dads yeah. start shifting a little bit. That's interesting. They become kind of partnery with you. Yeah. They start opening up more. They start asking for, yeah. what do you think about this? Yeah. And all of a sudden, this relationship changes. And yeah. and even a son and his dad, they'll start coaching each other yeah. Yeah. in a good relationship. Yeah, that's funny. That's how it should work in, in relationships yeah. in general. If that thing gets messed up, these two have, one of them has to die. Okay. That's how it is yeah, in business yeah. if they're not careful. And those deaths are very dangerous in a business corporate uh, environment, right? If you have too much infighting, right? That those things have to end quick, and they, that's why they usually do. They either end quick, like you got to go, right? Or if they are allowed to last too long, they can begin to unravel the fabric of a of a business because you can't have this negative stuff going on. But if they can find harmony and coaching each other, yeah. working with each other, and balancing each other out, all of a sudden, and same with pastoring, yeah, right? You can't just be in charge. So right. you're saying coaching here is, is almost a form of relationship. It always is. In, yeah. in fact, when you think about great coaches, if you've ever had coaches in sports, you'll, I, I just did. I called it like a coach my second dad Yeah. without yeah. even thinking about it. Yeah. Right. And again, it gets back to that thought that these things all bleed in each other. We don't compartmentalize our life. We can't do that. We'll become, well, it'll really destroy us instead of service if we do that. Because you, we've talked about it before, and when you talked about this, we don't practice life enough. Yeah, we've talked about sports being that for for kids. It's, yeah, it's them that's practicing really yeah. life, and we don't we don't recognize and acknowledge that, and then we get too focused on the result. When majority of kids aren't going to be professional athletes, but they are all going to be in life. Yeah, right? yeah they're, they're just going to be part of sports. Life. Why do you think coaches or the ref or the parents next to you? get mad if you try to over, if you're the parent and you try to comment too much, step in to protect your child too much, fight with the coach because he's, all those things, the, what they're really saying is, man, let your kid figure this out. He's yeah. in a protected environment. Yeah. Yep. He's got to take losses and wins yep. and hurts and pains and arguments. And parent, you're hovering so much, right? Yeah. Let him learn how to be coached. Yeah. Right, because if he doesn't learn how to be coached, how's he going to make it in life? Right, and so that those dynamics are important from even childhood. Yeah. And if they don't learn how to coach, they'll never how to how to be coached. They'll never learn how to coach. Yeah. And it's we're all trying to raise these people, these these kids into leadership. Yeah. yeah, we should be. And they've got to be, and they've got to learn how to have that happen to them before they can. It's interesting. I uh, I coached Jude when he was six in soccer. Never played soccer before. <laughs> It was interesting. Can be, they can become um, great coaches, and so non soccer playing coaches. It, it, <laughs> well, it, the interesting thing was it was uh, it was against college players were the rest of the coaches. I was oh. the only dad. The rest of them were. It was off season, and part of their playing the for the ladies. for a uh, <laughs> SEC school was yeah. they were, they coached these soccer teams. We won every game. Oh wow! Because I I understood kids and they didn't. <laughs> That's funny. That was all That's it was. Funny. That's so and uh, and and so there is this and and the entire way through as I'm get, having an opportunity to coach my own kid and you've had at a much higher level the opportunity to coach your your own kid. Uh, it, it, the the entire way through I'm thinking as I'm as I'm trying to mold him in this moment. Like one day he's he's going to be the coach. Maybe not of a soccer team. Yeah. But in life. And he's got to learn how to be coached before he can learn how to coach. Yeah, and when you package the knowledge in these principles and these tools, it's it sticks with them because then right. it's it's a principle attached to an experience, which can just be taken with you wherever yeah. you go. Yeah, because you can get to full blown adulthood never having let yourself be coached before, 
Mm. And and not have grown to the, and be very frustrated because you haven't grown to the level that yeah. you know you should be. And good students are coachable. That's why they're good that's students right. too. Yeah, that's right. It may There's not be part. the physical side of sports, exactly. but it's, yeah. it's the it's that side too. You know, it's funny. I was thinking back. I was telling my wife this the other day. I was the captain of every team I've ever been on since I was eight. Wow. You know, even when I almost got off that team. Yep. I was the, I was currently I was an assistant captain on that team and I wasn't even good enough to play on the team because I brought such a great attitude to the yeah. team. Yeah. And that's why I think he said, okay, sure. would you like to try something else? Sure. Because I'd love to keep you on the team. Yeah. You're just too big and slow for all these super <laughs> fast little 11 or 12 year olds yeah. zipping all over the place, yeah. right? I mean, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm six, four and a half now. So, you know, tall guys when they're 11. It's, yeah, right? it's a different they're, world. They're yeah. scary. But amazing thing about goalkeeping, every pro goalkeeper is exactly my height. That's yeah. right? yeah, they so are. I just grew into it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Send us out with this. What makes, because we talked about a little bit about what makes uh, kind of identifying a, a coach and how to pursue that. What makes a great uh, uh, person, coachy, a person who, a, a, a person future on the coach. team that needs to be coached, a future coach? Yeah, I think a couple things real quick. Um, first is honesty. Okay. Like, let's say it's an athlete. Yep. Uh, honest, honest about their pluses and their minuses, what they want to learn. You know, like mm-hmm. usually a good. good coachable person has yeah. some ideas of what they want to be coached yep. in. Yeah. You know, they have, they've assessed themselves a little bit and they're using you to help strengthen yep. those, those weaknesses. Um, and then the second one is I think a little more complex in that I think your personalities have to work together. Okay. Right. That makes just, sense. Yeah. You yeah. just, you know, that's why sometimes a person can be a great coach, but they're not always the best for this person and vice versa. Makes total and that's sense. okay in life. Yep. You know, like uh, like in the in the world of church, sometimes or sports or anything where there's, you know, teams. Yeah. Right? Churches are teams. Uh, sometimes people will get the attitude of that guy's a terrible coach, and I was like, eh, why is he winning? Good. <laughs> and the answer is, you guys just didn't get along. Right. Just yeah. find a coach for you, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So Good. I think I think you always have to be aware of somebody's personality. Everyone's motivated differently. Like I'm motivated by positive things and and uh, reward yeah other people are motivated more by pain in a good way pain is a greater motivator than pleasure we know yeah. that they're both motivators yeah. but everyone's a little different you know and so you have to kind of match things up and you have to be looking for people that fit you in life yep and i think i'd close with that i think you're always looking for people who fit you yeah, yeah. that really helps whether in business regardless in, in marriage people ask me all the time how i've had a successful marriage how much i've worked on it and i was saying you know i haven't worked on it that much they're like really i hate to say it because i'm talking about working on stuff yeah (laughs) yeah i'm talking about working on your life i've worked on myself but i haven't really had to i there's it's not always these lisa and i are not always trying to work on something you know because we're trying to survive i just picked really well yeah you know i just picked a good a person that fit me Mm -hmm. well i don't think other people could be married to lisa as successfully as i have and vice versa because we're both type a and we're both kind of driven and so it may have driven somebody else nuts, but we feed off of it yeah. with each Good. other. So, Pastor Mike, thank you so much yeah. for doing this. I yeah, really appreciate it. There's a lot of really, really good stuff in here that I think that, that a lot of people are going to be able to take and grow from. So thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. That's good. There, see you. <laughs>